it's time to take off on the Award Travel 101 podcast. Helping you maximize your travel rewards, no matter your destination or budget. Now here are your hosts, Award Travel 101 Community Managers, Angie Sparks and Joseph Petrovic, to help you do extraordinary things on Ordinary Money. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Award Travel 101 podcast. I'm Award Travel 101 Community Manager, Joseph Petrovic, and my co-host Angie Sparks is off this week. We're approaching a full year of releasing weekly episodes And as we prepare for our semi-annual meetup in San Antonio, Texas, I wanted to get one of the presenters to share some info on what she's been up to the past two years after Award Travel 101. If you haven't guessed, Tony Perkins Southam was my fellow community manager before leaving for Forbes Advisor. We'll catch up with her travels, fear of flying, and how she's earning rewards today. And we'll get into that right after this. Did you know that more award space has been popping up than what we've seen in years? Rather than spending hours per trip searching on your own, let Thrifty Traveler Premium's Army of Flight Analysts do the work for you with their customized premium alerts. Whether using miles or points, or you're just looking for a cheap cash flight, Thrifty Traveler Premium will send customized alerts just for you from your selection of home airports, like 43,000 round trip to Japan. Want business class instead? They have you covered there too for 60,000 points one way. Other examples include Emirates Live Flat Business to Athens for 62,000 points, Air France KLM Business Class to Europe and North Africa for 30,000 points, and even their brand new Nerd Alert feature for unique first class service like Etihad Apartments or Qatar First Class. So if you want more premium deal award alerts sent straight to your inbox, Head on over to thriftytraveler.com and use promo code AT101 for $10 off your first year. Hey, Tony. Hi, Joe. It's so good to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. It is a pleasure to have you here. And you are the most frequent guest of the Award Travel 101 podcast, having aired in season one, season two, and season three. I think you are probably the only person to have done so. So let's jump into Award (laughs) Travel 101. And some of the, you know, people can go back and listen to season one, episode four, if they want to learn a little bit about you, as well as season two, episode 13, which was our most listened to podcast of all time. And that is talking a little (laughs) bit about not only your introduction to the award travel space, but also your fear of flying, which we'll jump into a little bit. But you were the longest mod slash admin of the community of all time. So how did that come to be? Yeah, that's crazy. Although, (laughs) you know, you're catching up on me here, like you're coming in on my record. But yeah, so that I started in 2017. Right? Yep. And I can't, it just, it feels like, part of me feels like yesterday. Part of me feels like it's a whole different lifetime of a goal. But yeah, I started back in 2017. And that was when Richard Kerr was running the group. And I was a moderator with John Hartnagle. And um, gosh, who else was there? Julie, Deb, Rachel. No, they weren't there yet. Oh, Rachel was there. Rachel was there. Mm-hmm. Howie. Julie and Deb weren't there yet. Howie was there. Yep, Howie was there. So Howie left not too long after that. 
And then I think at some point, maybe I want to say like a year into it, we brought on maybe longer. We brought on Deb and Julie and David. That was it. Anyway, so yeah, so we worked together for a while and then Richard left and then I think Jeff came in and then we kind of, everyone went different directions kind of thing. And oh my gosh, I can't even remember who was there at that time. (laughs) Then things evolved again. And then the next thing I know, you, John and I were the admins and we had, okay, let's see, who are our original lads? Allison? No, Allison was not original. So when we uh, went over, we had, I think just... I think there was maybe one or two, two mods. I don't remember. We had, I think it was Kim and Jackie. I don't remember if there was any. Oh, other. yeah. Jackie was there, right? So Jackie oh, was one okay. of the first ones we brought on in April of 2020. And Kim had recently come on and Aaron was there, but she had to. Yeah, that's right. Aaron. She was moving on to also doing bigger and better things in the community, <laughs> writing just like you. So. Yes. Awesome. And now, so I was there till last April, 2022. So then I went on, I got a gig with Forbes Advisor as a deputy editor and I've been there ever since. So So tell us a little bit about working from that space and how did you go from a person who did this as kind of a hobby and, and dove headfirst into the craziness of what award travel rabbit holes can bring into someone writing more mainstream for, you know, a larger publication. Yeah. You know, some days I just like look back and I can't even figure out what, how it all happened. It's just, you know, just crazy and everything. But yeah, you know, I started out, I started doing this, I think it was 2012 around then. And yeah, like you said, just as a hobby, you got really passionate about it. Um, I went to FTU in Tampa not long after I had started getting into this. And this was like so out of my comfort zone. Like I felt like I was going to a big like MLM like get together <laughs> thing, you know, how they have like their, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, I'm not even gonna tell my family. They're gonna be like, oh wow, okay, yes, we'll buy your product. Like, you know, so I was like really nervous about it, but it ended up being a really, really great experience. And I ended up meeting one of my best friends who's still one of my best friends forever there. And we just really clicked, her name's Barb. And so Barb and I clicked and we just, you know, really bounce a lot of ideas around off each other, talk to each other a lot. And it just kind of evolved from there. At that point, I think Barb told me about Dia and um, Dia was running a, her own like family travel stuff. I mean, yeah, I don't even know. She had me speak at one of her seminars because I travel with my kids, a little background. I have four kids and I used to travel them, travel with them as a solo parent with my husband, you know, both. So Spoke there. I think I met like Richard at one of those, kind of connected with him and then got more into the work travel one-on-one space, became a moderator there. So at that time, I also, well, not at that time, actually, 2020 hit and I think Award Wallet, they had needed, you know, they were looking for writers and stuff like that. It was something I'd always wanted to dabble in. So JT and Eric, they gave me a chance and, you know, bless their hearts because I look back now at some of like my original articles that I wrote and I like <laughs> die inside. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, and this is like edited, right? So who knows how bad they were, but um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, they both, like they both hold such a special place in my heart because they gave me a chance that to do something that I really wasn't qualified to do. And they worked with me and they taught me, especially JT taught me so much about just like the editorial process and writing and becoming a better writer. 
around that same time, I started doing some freelance writing for Forbes and Forbes Advisor. And I, you know, that was something I worked really hard toward or is just, you know, I wanted, I wanted to make this work. I wanted to have this as like a backdrop, you know, a background and everything because, or a backup plan, sorry, because like I said, it was 2020, right? So kind of to come back to award travel. So Joe, 2020, good times for both of us. I think it was like the day that we started as admins was when everything in the world closed down, right? It was like that day. So the I, I know it varied from state to state throughout the country. In Ohio, it was March 19th or somewhere between March 19th and the 23rd. I don't remember the exact. And we took over April 2nd. So just shortly yeah. after everything started shutting down for at least me, and I was one of the early shutdown states. So I don't know what it was out yeah. where you are, but the... Well, I think it was Europe. Like that night was when they closed the borders and we were like, Oh crap. And, and just chaos ensued. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a, a definitely craziness. I, I think I joked at one point instead of award travel 101, it was stop award traveling 101. And everybody had <laughs> questions about how to cancel everything because we didn't have all the freedom and flexibility in the programs that they uh, kind of have added over the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so um, just to kind of touch on that too and everything, and if you need to edit this out, feel free to. But I was going to say, I think that first month, I think we made like $30 or something for the whole entire <laughs> month and like split it between like all of us. So, <laughs> it was, anyways, hence the reason that too, I just really wanted to have some, um, like backup things to earn some money and stuff. So I worked really, really hard on building a portfolio as Forbes advisor and things. So that's forward. Two years later, I've been freelance writing for a long time, and I had received an email saying that they were, you know, hiring for some different positions. And you know, right off the bat, I was like, "There is no way they will ever hire me because, like, I am I'm not an editor. I don't have like I'm a freelance writer. I don't have a lot of experience in this. But what I do have is a lot of experience, like in the war travel world, right? Like, I know all these programs up and down, inside out, and all these things. So. I took a chance and applied for the position. And then the next thing I know, for some crazy reason, they hired me. And it's been amazing ever since. And actually, since then, I've been promoted to an lead editor. So it's been good. It's, it took some time to, you know, build some confidence and stuff like that and to feel comfortable with my position. But I feel like, you know, almost two years into it now, I feel really, really good where I'm at. I feel like I've come into my role and I know the ins and outs and it's a lot of fun. So I guess my lesson here is just because you think maybe you aren't, you can't do something doesn't necessarily make that true. Sometimes our mind lie to us and don't let that stop you from trying to reach, you know, it sounds so cliche, but like trying to reach your dreams because you can do more than you think you can. So, so that's my whole story from the beginning in a really small nutshell. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think about that and I'm going to back uh, track here to something you'd mentioned earlier, just to clarify for listeners that you'd mentioned FTU and FTU is short for Frequent Traveler University. They do have yeah. uh, meetups periodically throughout the year. And that was my very first meetup as well. And so I remember talking to my wife about going to one of those. I actually flew out to Seattle and it was something that was way over my head at the time that I went. And I just came away like, I thinking I'd known some, a little bit of something going in, 
coming out and said, mm-hmm. I really, I really don't know the first thing about anything after I left that. So jumping back yeah. to your place of work and you said Forbes advisor, could you differentiate Forbes between Forbes advisor? So listeners know what the difference is and what you're doing there. Oh boy, I'm going to murder this. So basically, <laughs> so you have, you know, your Forbes main, which is like the Forbes we've all heard of and everything. Well, I work for Forbes Advisor and we run, how do you say this? So it's all like, well, it's advice, right? So this specific like segment of Forbes, it's all about, we have like tons of different verticals. There's like insurance, mortgages and student loans and small businesses and stuff. So I specifically work in the credit cards and travel rewards vertical. And so we produce content that, you know, talks all about war travel and credit cards and all those things. And, and that's a really terrible explanation, but that's it. And, you know, <laughs> so you really focus <laughs> in on, but the Forbes advisor basically focuses in on a lot of the same content that other travel blogs are known for, for sure in the credit card yeah. and travel and loyalty space. So, and you said exactly. that you are now a lead editor and what kind of things are you looking over? Are you still writing or uh, are you basically looking over the newer writers brought on? Yeah, yeah. So I do a little bit of writing here and there, not too much. Actually, this is going to shock and surprise you, but I'm right. I'm working on an article right now. Don't steal my ideas, everyone. Just kidding. <laughs> but it's a have to do with Harry Potter and Plants and Miles. So a <laughs> uh, huge, crazy Harry Potter fan. It's like my entire life. So yeah, so that should be a fun one. But yeah, for the most part, I don't do a whole lot of writing. I do a lot of, you know, just day-to-day, like, uh, you know, just the day-to-day processes and stuff like that. You know, help look over some of the freelancers, take ownership of a lot of different assignments and things and just get them through the process. I do a lot of editing, which is actually my favorite thing. I think I just, I love editing. I've always kind of had a knack for it. And I just find, I don't know, something about like finding something like where comma shouldn't be or adding it or this or that. Like it's just, I get this like weird excitement from it. And I'm like, wow, this is what I've become. Like commas make me happy. Like, that's <laughs> another, another thing is funny. So we, for those who are not familiar with this, when you, so with Forbes Advisor, we have our own style guide. So sometimes like if you're reading something, you might be like, oh, like, that shouldn't go there because of this or that, or this shouldn't be spelled that way. Well, we have our own style guide that establishes these rules. We also follow like the AP style guide for mm-hmm. our, that stuff isn't covered. And so one of my really big passions has become just like everything style guide related. So this last year, I worked with one of our ed editor guys and um, his name is Doug. He's like the most amazing human ever. And we worked on completely revamping that style guide and just getting it, getting it up to date and everything. So that was a lot, like, it sounds weird to say, but that was a lot of fun going through every single word. Like, do we use toward or do we use towards? Okay, well, we have to pick on, pick one and make sure, like, everyone does it from now on. So, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I learned, I learned a lot from it, too. No, and you said something that uh, kind of caught my attention because in a past episode, we t- just recently talked with Ryan Smith, who is an editor at Award Wallet, and talking about yeah. how he was given a start. You know, you mentioned Eric and JT. And the thing is, is that Ryan said, hey, I I applied for a position with Sean over at Miles to Memories, and he gave me a shot to do things. And and I got to write about the things that I enjoy while traveling the world. He recently completed his quest to 197, what he calls 197 countries. I think some of them are not listed as UN countries, but territories. 
And, uh, but he was able mm-hmm. to travel and write at the same time. So is that something that you've been able to enjoy as well? Yeah, absolutely. So off topic, really fast, we're still kind of on topic, but I guess more of a tangent. Ryan's one of my favorite humans in the world. We talk all the time. He's one of my best friends. And it's fun because we both worked at Award Wallet as um, just staff writers or contributors. And we both left at the exact same time. And I felt like the worst human ever. Like, we're like, hey, JT, like, it's been amazing. Um, we're both leaving. <laughs> so <laughs> it was so sad. I felt so bad. But so Ryan left and did his thing. And then I went to Forbes Advisor. And Ryan also, you know, one thing, he's such a great person. Like, I remember he reached out to me and just gave me so much good advice on like, you know, because he, you know, he knew I didn't have a ton of experience in this space either. He really wanted me to succeed. So I've always just like, that's always, I've always cherished that. And it's meant so much to me that he was willing to, you know, reach out to me and talk to me about these things and stuff. And it was so helpful. But as far as having, yeah, like having a remote job and everything, freelance writing is really just like a unicorn career. It can get stressful, you know, like any career. You really have to work for, you have to hustle. You have to be really willing to hustle. Once you get pre-established though, the work kind of finds you. But it's amazing because you can just kind of do it however you want, whenever you want, like whatever that looks like to you. If you want to write at midnight all night, every night, and then, you know, do something else all day, or if you want to work during the day, like whatever you want to do, and you can do it anywhere in the world. So that was one of the huge appeals for me with like freelance writing. And then, you know, working as a staff member of Forbes Advisor, it's all remote. So for example, this summer, I took my kids to Mexico and it was just amazing. So we'd wake up and I'd go sit by the pool and I'd work by the pool till like one o'clock and they would swim and have fun and we'd just relax. And then I would, you know, pop off and I, we'd go explore for several hours, which was just enough to not wear everyone out and be, you know, feel overwhelming. Get back, you know, we'll hop on a couple more hours at nighttime just to finish up. And it was just, it was really just like the perfect scenario. I couldn't ask for a better outcome. So yeah, I definitely recommend like if you're looking for flexibility and stuff and you know your travel hacking things, like people are constantly looking for freelance writers to contribute when it comes to credit cards and travel hacking. So get out there. You can make great money doing it. And it's a lot of fun. A learning experience. Uh, when so. I, I got started, I remember it actually was hired on by Award Wallet before I became a moderator of the group. And then the group kind of came into my my lap as well. And I said, you know what? This is kind of more the thing that I enjoy because it's I while I do enjoy exploring the different topics and getting into them, I like being able to answer and be around people. And that's one of the things I love about the Award Travel 101 community mm-hmm. is the fact that I get to interact with people and be there live when they have the questions. So that's something that kind of appealed to me more. And so I, I, mm-hmm. I wrote less and less, but it's funny listening, you know, to you talk about how you look back at some of your old articles and my blog is now since gone, yeah. but the, the difference even today and, and my mom is an English teacher. So she's a retired English teacher and talked about how her oldest son couldn't write. And today he's sitting here, you know, <laughs> doing a podcast and writing articles. And I don't write that much. But when I do, it's it's usually pretty well put together. And of course, the team over at Award Wallet with JT and Ryan definitely cleaned some things up for me as well because they they write every day. I write once in a while when there's a topic that interests me. So that's something that, you know, again, you can come a long way, but 
Award Wallet has a constant link out there. So if you're interested in applying to try to do this yourself, or we even have, this will probably be closed by the time this episode airs, but we're bringing on some, a new class of mods for 2024. So if uh, we haven't filled those yet, I'll keep the link open, but we will probably have that closed by that point, but it's a way to get your start. And if you're looking, if you're interested in generating content, you're interested in making things and helping people out. And I think that's really where this goes back to is that interest in helping others because we're not making tons of money sitting here doing this. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, that is, sorry, and not to say, you know, we are always looking for good freelance writers too at Forbes Advisor. So I'll uh, leave you my email address and you can share that if you guys are interested. So yeah, I will say one other thing for those who are serious about looking into writing. Some of the things that I think are the most important things you can do. So maybe like your writing skills are fantastic and stuff. That doesn't, it sounds weird to say this, but just because you're a good writer doesn't make you a good contributor. So some of the things, you know, if you are super reliable and you know how to follow direction, then that is huge, right? We will, me personally, I can't speak for all my colleagues, but for me personally, seeing that you're willing to follow directions and that you're showing like a growth mindset and stuff makes me so much more willing to work with you than if you're maybe a good writer, but like I have to constantly, you know, chase you down for things or you don't follow this or you don't follow that. Like that's just not something I have the time to do. Whereas if like you're showing this growth mindset and stuff, I can work with you and teach you and know that you're going to hold on to these things and it's going to pay off in the long run. So if you are interested in a career with freelance writing and contributing, you know, those are some huge things that I would say, you know, just be super, super reliable and be so good at following directions. Yeah, incredible. Moving on, let's head on over to my next topic because it's come up and it's come up a number of times and I just was curious on an update. You know, people who've listened to especially season one, episode four, where you were discussing your fear of flying and you've been working with one of our community members who's, you know, you've talked to a number of times. And I remember, I don't know, I guess I should ask you before we jump into this here, if it's okay to go into, but we had our yeah. first meetup in 2021. And, you know, since you and I were covering that, where you, you know, panicked about flying because you hadn't flown in so long, how has that mm-hmm. come along? Oh my gosh, so good. So yeah, just to give a little backstory and stuff for those who don't want to go back and listen to the podcast, although I totally recommend you do because I just, that's one of the podcasts that I feel so happy about because I feel like it's just, it is so helpful for people struggling with the fear of flying. But okay, so backtrack. I remember, you know, I've kind of had a fear of flying since I was a little girl. Like I remember being probably 11 or 13. And I was flying from Phoenix to Utah and just being like really, really, really nervous. Um, when I was 16, I took a trip to New York and I was just terrified. So it got really, really, really bad as I got older. And especially like having kids and stuff, there were times that I just was hysterical. So leading up to what Joe was talking about, I was getting ready to fly to St. Louis. And I was just out of my mind. Like I was at the airport in the lounge, bawling hysterically on FaceTime while Joe, like the whole team is on FaceTime with me. Like, it's okay. Like, you've got this. You can do it. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Just freaking out. Get on the airplane. And I was like, I 
I can't do that. Like, I can't do it. And so I grabbed all my stuff and I got off the airplane and I was really, really, really sad. Like, this was just felt like so defeating for me because I had never gotten off an airplane before. Usually I'd always been able to just like work through my meltdown and then continue on. And I hadn't been working with Paul a lot at this point. So I was so sad. I was like, I've let Paul down. Like I've wasted his time. And, you know, I felt horrible, like leaving my team to, you know, I'm supposed to be here helping you guys with this meetup. And I was just like losing my mind. It's a tough thing for a miles and points person, somebody who's yeah. collecting all these rewards to travel to not be able to travel. Exactly. Exactly. Like, and, and, and I'm so passionate about traveling and I love it so much, but it was just like, killing me slowly, right? So I think it was Allison. I think she ended up like either yelling at me to reach out to Paul or doing it anyway and was just like, you need to like talk to Paul. Because I hadn't worked with him for several months now at this point. And I was like, no, I can't like kind of let him down, you know. Anyway, so I ended up, okay. So the next morning, I have a friend who flies planes. So he had me come out to the airport and I sat on a plane with him and he let me ask every tiny little question I wanted to, every little detail and stuff. Then right as we were leaving and I was with my husband, we got on a phone call with Paul and we talked to Paul for probably like two hours. And it was just amazing. Like he just kind of reminded me of like all the tools that I have and all the things that we've worked with. And I, you know, really realized how much I had just stopped practicing those things, like using these tools that I had and stuff. I just, in a weird way, this sounds weird, but I just kind of like willingly and openly like let my fear take over. I was just like, I don't care. I just want to panic and freak out, right? Um, and another thing was, you know, my husband felt so frustrated. I don't want to say frustrated because he wasn't frustrated with me at all. He was so patient, but he was so down because he just wanted to like help me and he didn't know how to. And so it would like hurt him thinking like he couldn't even help me. And so that was another thing, you know, Paul had kind of was able to talk him through this and all that. So long story short, went through that whole process, had a little like basically Paul called it a tune up and that was all I needed. And I was able to get on a plane two days later and I ended up flying to Europe, uh, meeting a friend. I didn't have a meltdown. I felt great, everything. And been pretty smooth sailing ever since. You know, I still get like, I get a little nervous in the beginning sometimes, but I, my expectations, like I know what I'm dealing with. I know that this feeling is going to subside. I know how to like not lose control. I know how to distract myself, which by the way, I just read something the other day that I'm going to try to, because I thought it was awesome, but it would like take really sour candies with you. It's when you feel like you're starting to panic, pop one in because it distracts you. And I'm like, that's a good idea. So <laughs> have you ever seen the sour candy in my mouth? But uh, yeah, so it's very, that goes, it's been great. And one, one huge win I have is when I was flying back from Albania this fall, I had like a million different flights and stuff. And my last leg was from Phoenix to Salt Lake. And it was so turbulent. And I was just like, not a fan. I was like, I hate this. And one of my biggest rules, and I won't delve into this now because I could talk about it forever. But one of the things that I don't do is I don't look out the window. It's actually one of the worst things I could do for myself. I used to think it was a good thing. And then Paul and I worked through that. And, and it's looking out the window is bad. So what did I finally do? I was like, I'm just going to take a little peek. So I look out the window. What do I see? Lightning. And I was just like, it, it made me nervous. But before I probably like, you know, years ago, I would have just melted down, hysterical, freaking out. Instead, I closed the window and I just worked through it. And I was uncomfortable and I was uneasy and I didn't like it. But I also didn't feel like I was going to lose control and just absolutely melt down and have a panic attack. So 
that was a really, really big win for me. Also, lesson learned, don't look out the window. <laughs> that would be terrifying for me because I love looking out the window. And when I can't look out, so I have just the opposite there is that when it, things start getting turbulent and I can't see like the ground or anything around, then that's when I actually start getting nervous. And I'm not a super nervous traveler, but mm-hmm. when it does start getting bumpy like that, it it panics me more when I can't see what's going on. So it, I, I have this feeling like, even though I have no control whatsoever of what happens, you know, I'm not in control of the mm-hmm. plane. There's nothing I can do but control my own emotions from that standpoint. Being able to see out, you know, kind of makes me feel better about mm-hmm. it. So it's an interesting dichotomy between you and me there. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it is interesting because that's what I thought I was doing. So I was like, if I look out the window and I can see the ground and see everything's okay, I'm going to be fine. The problem was it eased me up just a little bit, like fine, whatever. But it wasn't like I, you know, but if I looked out the window and I saw clouds or lightning or something like that, like I lost my mind, right? So it Mm -hmm. was better to just not look out the window at all because if it's turbulent, it doesn't matter if it's cloudy or not cloudy. Like if I saw the clouds, I was going to lose my mind, right? So. It just came to this point where like, you just don't look out the window anymore. So yeah, it's kind of funny how people can, I can see how people can find comfort in that. But for me, it was actually having like a more negative, almost like reverse effect on me. Because if I looked and didn't find that reassurance, I just was like, oh, we're going to die. Well, I'm so. so glad. I mean, and that's amazing that you found that that was your spot where it kind of you know, you could fix it by just closing the window. If you don't see it, you don't, you don't worry about it and you can kind of pull it together. I'm I'm really happy for you that, that that's been working out and talking to Paul has worked out. So let's jump into some of what you've done and what you trips you've been up to places that you still want to go. And since you've last been in the award travel community, because one of the things about Tony, since she's left my side is that she's also kind of been avoiding Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's funny that you mentioned that. I was wondering if that would come up. Yeah. So, you know, I just spent so much of my life, like constantly on Facebook, like 24 seven. I just hit this point and I was like, I need a break. Like I'm good. And so I just kind of set this new boundary for myself. I didn't know how long it would last per se, but I was just like, I'm just going to get off Facebook. And now it's been a year and a half. And I do it like, I miss a lot of the relationships and stuff like that. So, and that hardly makes up for it. But I decided that I gave myself this thing once a year. And I think it's like June 12th, my anniversary that I left. I'll hop on and just be like, hi, everyone. Like, give me an update. So on June 12th, everybody come say hi to me. I'll be on Facebook for the day. I think <laughs> this last year I have gone like Taco Tuesday and everything. So I can say hi to everyone and stuff. But yeah, so I do, I still really active on Instagram for the most part. And I post my travels there and stuff. I just find for some reason, Instagram isn't as much of like a mindset for me. And I don't get caught up in the drama and stuff like I did with Facebook. I didn't, I didn't like the person that Facebook made me a lot of times. Well, I mean, I need myself. Facebook doesn't, but kind of brought out of me. So yeah, I just, I mostly stick to Instagram, but hey, let me think here. So since so I left, that was April 2022. That I live in Portugal. So that month we went to Portugal with the kids. Let's see. So I went to Portugal and that was super fun. Love, love, love Portugal. And that summer we went to Guatemala, naturally. Yeah, I remember that, <laughs> um, that was, a lot of your travels did revolve around Guatemala and that was one of your 
favorite places. Is it still up there? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't go this summer just because I couldn't find good flights there. We ended up going to Oaxaca, Mexico. Well, Mexico City and Oaxaca. And that was fantastic too. I thought it might have a similar vibe and I feel like I was pretty accurate. I mean, definitely differences too, but I just loved the vibe that I got out of Oaxaca. I loved the place that we stayed. It was great. But yeah, so Guatemala is still way up there. So Okay, so I went to Guatemala. I think we did a bunch of like little trips around, just probably went to Arizona, I'd see family and stuff. Then we went that winter over Thanksgiving. We went to, we flew into Paris. We were there, we went to Disneyland Paris with the kids. And then we went to Turkey. And that was so much fun. Turkey was just a blast. We, it was probably the most dramatic trip I've ever been on. Like, okay. You ready for a good story? Sure, go. Sit down. This is this is like all in one day. So we're staying in Izmir, Turkey, which is like all the way on the western side of Turkey on the beach, you know. And we're getting ready to leave. So that morning, we were super jet lagged because like Paris, I think from France to Turkey, it's like another three hour change. And we'd only been in Paris for like a couple of days anyway. So our time zones and everything were just so grown off. So was 4 a.m. and I'm laying in bed naturally, just like, great, love this. And all of a sudden, I just heard this like really loud banging. And I was like, what in the world? And it just, it's just like repetitive loud banging. And I was like, are they for real? Like, are they doing construction on this hotel at four in the morning? Like, I was like, so I jumped out of bed to like look into the hallway. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's not construction. My whole room is moving. So there was an earthquake. <laughs> so I hurried and jumped back in bed like, oh crap, what do I do? I quickly learned that I'm not great in panic mode. I fight or fall. <laughs> I just curled up in a ball and I'm like, oh, I'll just die here. So my husband, he was sleeping in the other room with our, some of the kids. We had divided because we needed two rooms that trip. And he like texted me, he's like, holy crap, did you feel that? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So, and so that morning started off with like a bang, literally. So we had this earthquake and we had needed to be up at like 4.30 in the morning anyway to get to the airport. So get our stuff, head to the airport. And fortunately, it wasn't like, you know, there wasn't a lot of damage, not injuries. It was it was a couple weeks before the really big earthquake in Turkey that hit. So, so fortunate to have missed that because it was just terrible and so sad. But so we get to the airport and we go to check in and the lady's like, you can't check in yet. You're too early. And I'm like, well, our flight leaves at like 7 a.m. And she's like, no, your flight doesn't leave till like noon. And I'm just like, are you freaking kidding me? So I'd gotten the time wrong. So they won't let us back there. So we, there's no point in like going back to the hotel at this point anyway. So we just lay on the ground and we're kind of sleeping on the floor and just waiting around. Finally get, get in, get checked in. And at this time we're supposed to be flying to Cappadocia. I think that's how you say it. And, you know, we hop on the flight and I'm like, this is such a long flight. Like in my head, I'm like, Turkey's not that big, you know? And this is like a three-hour long flight in Cappadocia. It's like central Turkey. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be like an hour and a half. Up. And I'm like, wow, three hours? Like that is, Turkey's a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. So we get to you know, at the airport and it's a teeny tiny little airport. And we get out and we're, we actually arrived a little bit early and we were waiting. We were going to get a rental car and they were going to pick us up at one o'clock. So we wait forever. One o'clock comes by. No rental car comes. So after like probably a half an hour, we're just like chilling at the airport at this point. After about a half an hour, we're like, okay, like there's still a lot here. We tried calling them and the language barrier was just a nightmare and stuff. So my husband's like, 
you know, let's just go to the rental place. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. So he puts it in his Google map and he's like, so it says the rental place is like 12 hours away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Nathan. And then obviously that is not the right rental car place. Like, let me look. So I like grab the phone and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why are we at the border of Armenia? <laughs> so quickly <laughs> learned that when I booked our flights, I booked us. So in my head, when you fly to Cappadocia, there's an airport called Kayseri. And so when I saw the airport code KSY, I automatically assumed that that was the airport we needed, right? Wrong. <laughs> KSY is actually a city called Cars, K-A-R-S. Don't know where the Y came from in the airport code. So we were completely on the other side of Turkey. And we're so exhausted at this point, too, because we've been sitting at the airport. We're up because of the earthquake and jet lag and everything. So we go back inside, and this is this tiny airport. And we need to be, like, anywhere but here because we're just, like, there's nowhere to stay. Like, we have no plan. Long story short, once again, we were able to talk to the people at the counter. We had a half an hour, 30 minutes from the time I talked to the people at the counter to the time the next flight took off. They got us on that flight, and we were able to fly to Ankara, and we made it. So we got to Ankara, which is not where we were supposed to be, but we just wanted to get to a big city so we could figure out what to do from there. Get there. Then we had to rent a car. We're going to rent a van to fit all six of us in it. Well, after working through the whole process, they're finally like, oh, actually, you can't rent a van because your driver's license isn't, isn't at least five years old. But what you can do is rent two cars. So just to add another layer of like excitement, we oh, had to rent goodness. two cars. So Nathan, <laughs> Nathan drove with two kids. I drove with two kids through Ankara, which was absolutely the most horrifying, terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. And also, I think at one point, one of our kids puked in the car. Another point, like we stopped in gas station and the power kept going out in the earthquake. Finally made it to Cappadocia at midnight. And that was all in one day. That sounds like uh, the most amazing trip ever. But it's one of those things that you'll never forget. And coming through that, you know, experiencing some of that, those challenges probably uh, made some of the other experiences much more pleasant. Definitely, definitely. And you better believe like no one's ever going to let me live that down. Like, hey, remember the time you accidentally flew your family to the wrong side of Turkey? <laughs> but, so what's on your wish list? What's still coming up? Okay, what's on my wish list? You know, if I had to pick a few places that I'd really like to see sooner than later, I really want to head out to like Chile, Argentina, hit up Patagonia and stuff like that. That's really high on my list. Nepal is super, super high on my list too. I'd love to get to Nepal. And also Greenland. Like, I just really, really want to visit Greenland. So those would be my top three. They're probably not super realistic right now just because they all take so long to get to. And they're not really places I think I'd... Not that I have anything taking my kids, like, I guess, taking my kids to places. Like, I'll take them anywhere. Just for me, I want to do a lot of hiking and exploring and stuff. And it's, you know, hard to pack hiking gear and stuff for all of us. So I'd like to visit those like with a friend or solo or with my husband or something. And then as far as like family goes, believe it or not, Canada, I want to take them to Canada. We've never been and I want to go to Banff and I want to see that area with them. So that would be super awesome. Maybe Hawaii one day, maybe we'll make it out there. Yeah, Lake Lake Louise is, that's the Banff area. And uh, uh, that's the beautiful sites that everybody shares. They've got that. Fairmont uh, property out there and something that I think with all the hiking and outdoor activities your family does, 
probably right up your alley. Yeah, I think it would be pretty amazing. It's really not that far. I don't even think it's a different time zone. So it would be no jet lag to ruin our plans. So yeah, I think those are probably my top places. And then are you still using Advantage Miles for your travels mostly? Or or are you kind of starting to spread some of the miles and points around? You know it, you know it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so still using a lot of American Airlines miles. They just like, I've always said this, like if you have a lot of flexibility on your side, American Airlines can just be so great because I can just kind of hop on and find, you know, I can find flights to Europe for my whole entire family from Salt Lake, which is huge because a lot of these other airlines, you know, if you fly from the gateway city, then it's, you know, X amount of points and it's a great deal. But once you add in that, you know, like having to get from like Salt Lake to Dallas or Salt Lake to Chicago and stuff, it, it adds even at the lowest rate, it still adds quite a bit to these flights. So um, it's just super, super convenient. And I can get us from Salt Lake to Paris, for example, with one stop, great flight, not any like stupid layovers for 20,000 miles and $5. So I just love the ease of that. I love not having to pay, you know, there's other programs that have lower mileage. Iberia, for example, you can get it for pretty low, but the fees and stuff, you know, they're probably $120, $130 each way. So it adds up. I earn miles pretty easily. So it makes more sense for me to burn miles and save on the cash than to um, go the other way around. I will say though, for myself, I love Avianca Life miles. I've been playing a lot around, or I've been playing around a lot with the um, mixed cabin bookings and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a really great way to find some awesome deals. I don't do that so much with the family because like they don't get a flying business class. Just it is what it is. And the mixed cabin thing doesn't apply to economy. Right. Um, and their economy prices are just nothing special. So yeah, though for me personally, like when I flew to Albania this fall, and anyways, I did end up having to kind of cancel that trip too and end up flying their economy anyway. But originally my flight there was going to be super awesome. I found from Chicago to Tirana, Albania with a stop in, I think it was Munich business class. And I was able to like play around and it's a really, really stellar deal in the 50,000 mile area. And then I also was able to get a transfer bonus and do even better than that. So yeah, I really, really like Avianca. I was a little nervous because I've heard horror stories about like their customer service and stuff. And I've had some interesting experiences with them too. But when I did have to cancel the trip, it was as easy as a phone call. The fees are kind of expensive. And I did learn, so if you want to change your trip, it's quote unquote only $150, but it had to be the same cabin class. So even though there was an economy flight that I can change it to, that would have worked perfect for me. They were able to change it because of the cabin class difference. So I ended up having to cancel it, which was $50 more. So it was $200 to cancel, which sucks. but it worked out for what I needed it to. So yeah, Avianca's a good one. Angie's never been a fan. She's had a bad experience mm-hmm. and gotten burned. But a lot of the data points that I'm seeing in the Facebook community, and I, I haven't had any issues. So all my life miles bookings have worked out just fine. But for those who have had to call in, it sounds like they've been greatly improving their service and customer service so that even the phone calls, you're not waiting long phone calls that you get somebody who can speak English because I used to be, you had to know Spanish to call okay. in. So you can get a lot of help there. And I don't know personally, I haven't had that experience. Like I said, all mine have worked out, but 
There are some pretty cool little tricks you can do with the mixed cabin bookings and adding a segment, making your okay. flights longer if you play that game as well and and infer a few things about what you might be able to do. So let's jump into how you're ordering points today because when I first met Tony, Tony was doing lots of interesting hacks and she was very interesting to me in that when I was beginning my foray into Award Travel 101 and the loyalty and travel rewards community, I didn't have anybody who traveled like she did to kind of be a model. And so I was looking at this lady who travels with her kid, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, you traveled mostly with your kids by yourself while your husband was working in the military and eventually the oil fields. And now, you know, I was looking at that and saying, how can I do some of the things she did? And you did a lot of gift card hacks and which I got into for a while. And And a lot of my (laughs) gift card things have since died, so I don't have that. But what are you doing to earn miles and points today? Oh my gosh, like this is such a sad topic, you know. Like so, for those of you unfamiliar, MS for for manufacturing spending, it just is really essentially coming up with ways to pretend like you're spending money. (laughs) You actually spend the money, but there's a way to like recuperate the cost. And sorry, like yeah, to get back the cost and everything like that. So you're not ever really paying, but you're still earning points and miles. It's a pretty hot topic in the points and miles world. Some people will think it's terrible. I think to each their own. You know, we could talk about the ethics of it one day. There's a lot of different ways to do it. One thing I will say is it's never as easy as anyone says it is. It's a lot of work, but yeah. So I mean, there was a point in my life it was essentially a full time job. Like I did so much MS. And I look back and I'm just like, I don't know how I did it. But these days, yeah, I really don't, I really don't do much at all. I probably the biggest way that I earn like some miles now is through uh, buyers groups. So that's my preferred one is points maker. I've sold with points maker for years and years. And basically they kind of outsource, they come across to, so they're resellers. They come across different limits when it comes to like trying to buy stuff and resell it. So they essentially like outsource the reselling pro- or outsource the product acquisition to whoever is willing to do it. You earn the points, you send it to them, they pay you back for it, and then they sell it for a markup wherever they do. So this is a really easy, simple way. Uh, okay, I'm like I just fully contradicted myself, and it's never easy, simple compared to a lot of other methods. It's a very easy, simple way to um, knock out a lot of uh, minimum spending requirements on your credit cards. And the nice thing is your the banks don't have issues with it because you're making legitimate purchases and stuff. So they're, you know, you're not gonna get shut down for it. Like with everything, there's always risks. I feel very confident in points maker. I've used them for six plus years now, probably longer. It's a great place to deal with and everything. I have no worries about them like stealing all my money and running away. They could have done that many times over. That doesn't mean that they still won't, but <laughs> anyone could, you know, it could happen anywhere. So yeah, so I do a lot of that through a buyer's club. So I would say, you know, if you're looking for a way to just kind of up your points and miles earning just a little more, look into doing some buyer's clubs. They're really, really helpful in that way. So that's my number one. I know a lot of people say things that, you know, they're basically looking for how they can meet minimum spends and buyer's groups are one way where you can do that, where there's really no or very minimal cost out of pocket to do it. again. 
You know, there are mm-hmm. a lot of things we talk about in the community about using, you know, your everyday bills. And that's the best way to be able to generate the mm-hmm. minimum spending requirements to knock out your welcome offers or sign up bonuses. But the uh, best way to do it is really to start a business and you can kind of make a buyer's group a business where, you know, if you are losing money, you can kind of write that off as, uh, you know, a tax mm-hmm. loss. And again, you, I'm not a financial consultant, so you check with your accountant to do that. But, you know, I, I run anything that is travel and loyalty related. If I do gift card sales or do buyer's groups things. Those kind of things. If I make money, that goes on my taxes as income. If I lose money, that goes as against, you know, a loss. And I write that off to save on taxes. So there are ways to do this where you're generating spend without generating spend that's really coming out of your pocket in a true sense of the matter. And again, you know, there are a lot of different ways people do this. You know, I, I, I used to have a, we used to have a joke in the award travel. 101 chat with Tony back when she was with us about how many different PayPal accounts. How many are you on now? Oh my gosh. I'm still on like 27 or 28. <laughs> the last ones have been holding strong a really hard time. And I won't get into like exactly why or how or that is, but yeah, PayPal. <laughs> That's been a fun one. <laughs> Don't worry. I promise I'll let you guys know when those ones go too. So I actually, this was really sad. They just shut down my Venmo account. So I got shut down by Venmo forever ago when I had my very first PayPal shutdown. But I was able to open a new one and it's been going strong for forever. And they just shut it down just like two weeks ago. I was devastated. I'm like, how? Our world is like so dependent on Venmo these days. So I'm just like lost. I'm like, how do I pay you though? Yeah, I've never had a problem. I've had a lot of people who, when I'm trying to pay them, have asked and said, well, send me a Venmo. And I was shut down years ago. And uh, mm-hmm. I've never been able to get one since. So maybe I, I should try again since you were successful in it. But yeah. PayPal, I've never had any issues with. So I've managed to keep those accounts solid and not run into Woo-hoo! any kind of problem. But Venmo, yes, that is an issue when you can't receive or send money through that because <laughs> <laughs> whatever reason. It's definitely. Um, <laughs> I like, and I literally don't know why it was shut down either. Cause like I haven't been doing anything like shenanigans or anything. And it just, they just shut it down. And I'm like, do you guys like realize like just how complicated you've made my life? Like I have four kids and everything they do when it comes to like athletics and sports and activities, it's all through Venmo. I'm like, oh, do you guys take? Well, it's like, I guess the interesting thing there, and for anyone who doesn't know, Venmo is part of PayPal. So they are subsidy of PayPal. And when I tried to work with customer service to get my account reopened, they told me just use PayPal instead. So great business model there for them. But love that. Love that. As we're getting close to wrapping up the episode here, uh, I wanted to let folks know that Tony will be joining us and you know, since she was the founder of the Taco Tuesday idea yeah. uh, that we are having a meetup in San Antonio at the end of April, she will be one of the speakers. We've had other speakers who will be there in past podcast episodes. Obviously, I mentioned Ryan Smith earlier, as well as Justin Bakula of the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. Tony will be speaking about something miles and points related, might be hacky hack sort of thing. It might be buyers group. No, I'll find out. We'll have to (laughs) see more. But, you know, I think one of the biggest things 
whether it's you, me, or anybody in this community, is to get out there and meet people of like minds, you know, who are share some of the, your same interests. I I met Tony at a meetup in I think it was 2018 at the Chicago seminars, and then I was working with her a year later in 2019. So you know you can make great strides in this community, whether it's doing some of these you know little bit quieter plays or earning points through welcome bonuses and signups. My wife and I signed up for 15 cards in 2023. We ended up with over 2 million in signup bonuses and welcome bonuses and things like that all by itself, not including the points that we earn from spend. So there are different ways you can play this when one thing changes, another door opens. It's absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, kind of leads me to, I just always like to leave with this point. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned and continue to learn is that there's just no one right way to do this. Like, I'm sure there's probably people sitting back there just rolling their eyes at me talking about American Airlines and like, well, this or that or whatever. But there's so much, there's so much like I can't even delve into as to like why these work so well for me and why I haven't opted for other programs and stuff. So just, you know, find what works for you and don't let, don't let people make you feel dumb for your decisions or otherwise find what works for you and don't stress about it because you can really let that stuff get into your head and then, you know, get that over analysis paralysis and it just keeps you from doing what you want to do. So that's always, that's always kind of my big takeaway is like, there's, there's so many different ways to do this. And along with your takeaway, why don't you share your tip of the week? (laughs) Okay. So my tip of the week is this kind of evolved from just traveling with my kids and stuff, but it's if you're already going crazy, you might as well do it someplace cool. So, you know, raising four kids with my husband gone all the time, I was already losing my mind. Like, I wasn't as crazy as you got. I was like, hey, we're already crazy. Like, let's go be crazy in Croatia. So we did. And it was just as crazy. Like, grocery shopping in another country still sucks. Jump like it does at home. Like, they are still terrible at the grocery store. And they still have their meltdowns. And they still have so many things like that. But it is absolutely worth it. So. Yeah. So that's my, that's the other thing I wanted you guys to take away here is if you're already going crazy, think about doing it someplace (laughs) cool. (laughs) And that's awesome advice. Why don't you share where listeners can find you? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I'm pretty much just on Instagram these days. So my handle there is just owning alpha. Also, like I said, you guys can, if you're interested in contributing, you guys can always reach me at my Forbes advisor email, which is just Perkins at ForbesAdvisor.com. If you want to check out some of the articles that I've written or edited and stuff, you can just Google my name, Tony Perkins Southam, and you should find lots of in, lots of articles. And hopefully, you're going to see my Harry Potter article soon. It should be super fun. So, and we we shouldn't have to worry about anybody pilfering that information since we'll have probably a few weeks before this episode airs. So. <laughs> You should, uh, (laughs) you'll have a good uh, couple weeks that advance on anybody else who tries to steal that idea. Perfect. I was just thinking maybe at the San Antonio meetup, because we talked about this before we started recording, but I had mentioned I competitively clogged in the last podcast episode I did. So maybe I'll, you know, surprise you guys and do a little clog (laughs) dance for you too. So we'll have to come to San Antonio and find out. (laughs) And we are sold out at the this moment, but uh, we'll leave some links in the show notes so you can learn more and put yourself on the wait list in case there are some folks who 
aren't able to attend, there's usually some last minute shuffling and we will certainly reach out if there are tickets that become available. So I want to thank you, Tony, for joining me here again in the Award Travel 101 podcast and community. And we wish you safe travels. Thank you. Bye, guys. To join the conversation, ask questions, and get answers from over 100,000 members and our support team, you can join us in the free Award Travel 101 community on Facebook. For more intermediate and advanced strategies, join Award Travel 201 to start ramping up your earning and burning techniques. To book time with our team and to learn how to better earn and burn or work on your specific credit card strategies, check out our Award Travel one-on-one consulting service. You can also email us at contactawardtravel at gmail.com with any questions. Our next meetup is located in San Antonio, Texas on April 26th through the 28th, 2024, and it is sold out. Tony will be presenting, as will one of our past guests from episode 43, Justin Bakula, and Award Wallet's Ryan Smith from episode 48. But you can get on our wait list now. To learn more about our meetup, visit Taco Bao a Fiesta on Eventbrite. And don't forget to support the Award Travel 101 podcast and community when applying for your next rewards card.